0: Welcome to Simon Says Educate. I'm Simon, your AI host, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. Together with my human co-hosts, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in education, bringing you a fresh and engaging perspective on what's happening in classrooms and beyond. Each week, we'll dive deep into the issues that matter most to our community, interviewing faculty members, students, and other thought leaders in the field. We'll discuss everything from the newest teaching strategies and classroom technologies, to the challenges and opportunities of online learning, and the impact of education on students' lives and careers. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired and informed as we embark on this educational journey together. Welcome to Simon Says Educate.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to Simon Says Educate. This is Ronald from the Teaching and Learning Center at Clover Park Technical College. Today, we are joined by a special guest. Her name is Diane Follett, and she's been at Clover Park Technical College for a while, teaching in the English as a second language department. Let's start our interview by asking Diane, can you tell us about your journey into teaching at Clover Park Technical College and what drew you to ESL in the first place?
2: Hi, Ronald, thanks for having me. Yeah, I came to Clover Park in 2011, I was teaching at Tacoma Community House. I was also teaching English as a second language, and I was really interested in working more in an academic setting. And so that's one of the things that drew me um, over to Clover Park specifically. But I got into teaching English as a second language when I was in my undergrad. I was learning Russian and um, studying Eastern European Studies, and a roommate of mine said that I would really enjoy teaching English to people who speak other languages because I wasn't sure what I would do after college. And I began volunteering at Tacoma Community House. And then that led me here.
1: Very nice. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people that have gotten into ESL are people who have studied other languages as well. I didn't know you were into Russian. Why were you studying Russian?
2: I... Took it up when I was in Running Start. Mm. When I started running start in high school, I wasn't interested in doing the math and English classes. I decided to take something I was interested in. And that led me to scholarships. And so I kept doing it. Oh,
1: very nice. So can you speak Russian now? Choo choo. A little bit, a little bit. Very nice. Very cool. Uh, I did the same thing where I was, I, I studied Italian when I was in university. And actually I did a little stint in Italy where I got to actually practice it on the ground. But then I also got into ESL and I was teaching in Korea. I started teaching in Korea around 2011. So anyways, today's focus is not about ESL. Today's focus is about the syllabus, as we are opening up our syllabus module in the Basecamp soon. And more specifically, we wanted to talk about the inclusive syllabus. Now, you and I have uh, experience working with diversity equity and inclusion we even went to the n4 conference recently in the summer of 2023 and to talk about syllabus essentials when you're putting together a syllabus what are some must-haves to ensure that everyone feels included
2: yeah well I think something that the college did that has been very helpful for all of us is creating our EDI or DEI statement. So at the beginning of all my syllabi, I have a welcome and then our DEI statement is the first thing that says that we're happy that you're here and you belong here. Um, I also like to include information about myself, a picture, so that they can see me before the class starts if they're logging into Canvas early. I do like to have personal information that I know will connect with them. So I, I do talk about if I know any languages or have any idea about their languages or anything that might connect to their background so that they come in thinking, okay, I have something in common with this person. This is another human being. It's not this I a uh, professor that um, I, don't, I don't have anything in common with. So those I think are very important to have to make people feel included. I also like to use a lot of visual aids. I would really recommend those libguide syllabi that the TLC has created. Those are very beautiful and help students really feel like this is not some complicated thing to understand, but it's something tangible that they really can latch onto and it feels doable.
1: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That's something that uh, Jeff and I put together that we'll include in the show notes. A link to those ones and then also that's something that we're going to be covering in the second week of the syllabus module is we're going to go into a little bit more detail about graphic syllabi and then also we will talk about liquid syllabi which if you're listening to the podcast consistently the next week there'll be another interview uh, based on the liquid syllabi so look out for that so speaking of inclusivity How would you describe inclusivity in the context of your course? uh, And then why do you think it's so vital?
2: Inclusivity, I think, is creating the environment where everybody feels that they belong and not that they have to fit in or change who they are to adapt to the environment. The environment should really adapt to the people that are in the room or in the Zoom or taking the class so that we're not expecting the student to be somebody they're not. In terms of the syllabus, that's shown with how we create norms, There are certain policies in the syllabus that are not exactly changeable because of our student code of conduct and things like that. But the way that you can present them, you can remove any punitive language or condescending language and how you present those policies and how you present your expectations help with that sense of belonging and that sense of empowerment that this is their class as well. Not that this class is being handed down to them but Mm -hmm. they're part and they're included in those policies and how we end up treating each other.
0: Kind
1: of like you're making like a community out of each of the classes, dependent on who is in the class.
2: Right, and then establishing those expectations we have for each other, not just the expectations I have for them. So it's not a top-down system. It's, we are all going to work together to reach these goals. In this yeah. syllabus together.
1: Yeah, I like that. It's kind of like uh, as, a, as a team. That's a really good way to establish the rapport right at the beginning and let them know that, you know, we're all in this together.
2: I think that sometimes we, because we have that expert outlook, we have that expert knowledge on our subject matter, we're used to treating our students as novices, but we forget that they have more to their character, to their personality, to their life experience, than just being a novice in this subject. And so I think honoring that is really important. And then working together to co-create the information and the knowledge of our class lets them not put us on a pedestal and lets us all work together instead of being a gatekeeper to the information.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of, actually, I just had a class yesterday where I'm teaching part of an ESL course uh, with with another teacher. And I don't know, it might be because it's the end of the quarter, but there was only one student that showed up in the Zoom room. And for, for me, if it's one student, I, I think it's great for them because, you know, they get like one-on-one time. It's almost like a one-on-one tutor uh, with with an instructor. But sometimes the students are, oh, nobody's here. I'm going to leave. Like they get really scared. But this is a man who's working. He's been in America for two years and he's coming from Ukraine. And yesterday when I met him, he really wanted to be in the class because he really wants to improve his English. And this was a great time for him to have like this, you know, this is the most speaking that he's been able to do in the course so far. And he was telling me about his job. He was he was at his job and he was like showing me around his workshop and he's like, this is, I did this and I did this. And then somehow we got into, we were talking about food and then he was telling me about his hometown. And I was like, oh, you know, like, do you miss your hometown? Um, you know where do you live and then we did like a little google maps like exploration of his city and he was like yeah i made this and he was like showing me these uh like he does these really big art installations and he's like i did this art installation i used to have this business where i had like 20 people working under me and i was just like man i was you know in my mind i'm like oh this person doesn't speak english so they must not be that successful but he had a really successful business in his home country but when he came over here it's it's just like a completely different situation so i appreciate that you were saying that we have to think of our students they have their own lives right they're, even though they're not the masters of English and we're in America and they should, you know, know all this stuff already, right? That's that's the wrong mindset. I like that you have this mindset of they're here to learn a specific thing that's just one part of their their life. So let's move on. I want to talk about, actually, you said you have this language when you're creating your norms and you're creating your expectations. Do you have an example or can you remember something specific? Just because I'm thinking that if someone else is listening to this podcast and they want to, you know, make sure that their norms or expectations are inclusive and there's a sense of belonging for the students, do you have any examples that you can share so that they could, you know, maybe take some of those examples and include them in their own syllabi?
2: Yeah and I want to preface that in transitional studies and in English as the second language courses these are all pre-college courses and therefore ungraded. So a lot of the language that we can use will need to be modified slightly depending on what you require for your grading. So something that I use is attendance on Zoom is not required, but encouraged and will count positively towards your learning experience and help you improve your English more quickly. I do give them points for coming into Zoom and I do give them credit, but since we're not a graded class, it doesn't necessarily have any real impact except for students who want to see an A, or they want to see the 100% in Canvas, and this preps them later for classes that will have those requirements. But that's one way you can say um, attendance is highly encouraged. The more that you attend, the more that you will learn. Your grade will also be impacted by on attendance by X, Y, and Z, for mm. example.
1: So like being more transparent with- But the also
2: encouraging about it instead Mm -hmm. of saying you must you must attend zoom
1: right zoom meetings Um, are mandatory you have to be there or you'll lose the points
2: right i mean students understand that their grades are based on their participation and their attendance but we don't have to say it in such a punitive way we can say it in a more encouraging and welcoming way that's more inviting now i would like to come to the zoom instead of oh i have to go to this class
0: right
1: Yeah, like the example of the story, like he some students would be like, "Nope, I'm out of here one on one. That's too, you know, I'm too nervous. But he was like, no, I want to practice. This is a really great opportunity for me to practice my English.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Are there any other unique methods or tools that you brought into your syllabus that can cater to all the students?
2: I know that this isn't new, but this is something that just a reminder. The one thing that instructors say is they never read the syllabus. Mm -hmm. It's in the syllabus. Go look at the syllabus. And if you don't do some activity around your syllabus, or if you don't create a syllabus that is extremely readable, you're going to keep hearing questions about the same things. What time is this? When is this assignment due? Where is that? But if you create an assignment that has them do a treasure hunt to find the information in the syllabus, the amount of questions that you're going to get repeated to you will be far fewer. So I know that's not a new idea, but I highly recommend that.
1: It Depends on the people who are listening. I, I love that idea. As as you know, I'm interested in gamification and phrasing it just phrasing it as a treasure hunt, as as opposed to you know like a search for search for content or search for context. Like, oh, this is a treasure hunt. I'm looking for specific things that you know can unlock the uh, good grade on the assignment. I think that's uh, that's it. that's exactly. interesting and fun.
2: Well, and then it gives me it gives me feedback as to what on my syllabus isn't clear Mm. like for example my students don't understand student resources when i list disability services the counseling and advising office the student center the veteran center and then i ask them on their treasure hunt what's one student resource you can use Mm. I've seen that question left blank many times. And so now I know when I'm going over the syllabus with them the first time, I really need to explain what are student resources, why are they there, and give them more context for what that is. The other thing that I like to do is provide, and I have to, again, shout out the TLC to their base camp map that I got on our launch day. I forget what it was called, something with berries, bagels, and bacon, but I don't remember the launch day name anyway.
1: I think I think that was it, berries, bagels, and bacon.
2: <laughs> anyway, so just a one-page front and back. Yes, we have our long document. Maybe it's in Canvas. Maybe it's something you print out. Maybe it's just a document that lives in in. Sharepoint or something but you should also think about having a one page front and back with the critical information that a student will need mm-hmm. for for your policies for contacting you for the major ideas of the course mm-hmm. because it's just so easy for them to grab onto something and get those very important points and then later take time to get into the longer document
1: yeah right just provide that most important information up front Mm -hmm. and something i wanted to circle back to you have like a little welcoming message at the beginning of your syllabus where did you get the idea for that and What are like some of the specifics that you include in there? Because I feel like that kind of thing where it's a message or you said you include your picture to help establish this rapport where you said you're not the big overlord instructor of the course. You're more like, you know, somebody that's there to help them. Do you have an example of, of something like that that you've included in your syllabus?
2: Yeah, I have to give credit. I would say back in 2020 or 2021, right after we went completely online, our department really worked at revamping our syllabi on Canvas. So it was readable and it wasn't that ugly 10 page Word document Mm, that somebody would have to download and then they don't have Word and then they couldn't open it. So we ended up um, our former Transitional Studies counselor Nora Rye helped us create a lot of beautiful graphics. And the first graphic that she made, it's a block in purple with white letters that says welcome. And thank you for choosing Clover Park. Old. Our students can go to other programs. They can go to other schools, mm-hmm. but we the have base to. Is right around the corner, <laughs> right. And so. we should just validate. You know, you chose to be here. Mm-hmm. We appreciate that. We don't feel
1: some gratitude,
2: right? Then there's also a couple graphics and some quotes, like from BB King, that says, "The beautiful thing about learning is that no one can take it away from you." I think that that it's just a little graphic and it's just something to make them feel like you're here, you're doing a good job. You've already started and nobody can stop you.
1: Yeah, it's very encouraging.
2: And then I introduce myself and I tell them a little bit about things that they might connect with. Like, I've also tried learning languages, so I kind of know what it feels like to not know what I'm talking about.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: To not know the correct word to say.
2: Right. Um, And then. This is unrelated to the syllabus, but like when they are uncomfortable, I will try to speak to them in their language and they can see, oh, yeah, she doesn't know this perfectly either. So it humanizes you and it lets them know that you're not perfect.
1: Oh, yeah, I like that.
2: Yeah. So and then the other wonderful thing. So Nora did a lot of nice things. She also made a wonderful graphic about their outcomes in very simple terms, because. Our college outcomes, even for my class, are super detailed and high level reading. And so if you also have a graphic that just says, you're going to learn how to weld, or you're going to learn how to do these specific types of welding, or these specific types of fixing a car, just simple, it's not the end all be all. It's not what you're going to turn in for your assessment report or your outcomes report. But mine just say, in this class you will learn reading, writing, listening, speaking and computers. Mm-hmm. My long outcomes that I turn in for my outcome report are at the very end of my syllabus. The mm-hmm. students are welcome to go and read them, but I just want something where they're going to not feel overwhelmed immediately.
1: Yeah, yeah and you know there's a lot of jargon that's used with, you know, those those outcomes that have their place with outcomes and assessments, but to your point, having it like, I, I think it's straightforward is maybe the best way to describe it, where you're gonna learn this, 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 this. And then when the students read it, they're, oh, okay, I'm gonna learn how to fix the steering wheel of the car. And I'm gonna learn how to change the gasket or change the oil in the car. And it's like, okay, I know what this means. I can read this pretty simply. And I feel like it gives them a better idea of what the course is, which then leads to them feeling more comfortable as they go through the course. I like all that stuff. And just a quick note here. I know not every department has a Nora. And if someone is interested in you know, making some sort of graphic or needs some help making their syllabus more welcoming and inclusive, always reach out to the Teaching and Learning Center at the college and we can work with you to try to improve it in any way that you would like. I want to go ahead and wrap up this podcast here with uh, Diane. I think that we talked about a lot of really great and crucial things related to syllabi and making them more inclusive is there anything else that you would like to talk about diane before we end this episode
2: i think the only thing that i've been curious about and what i've heard more about in the realm of oer is doing a like you mentioned earlier the liquid syllabus or co-creating a syllabus Mm -hmm. And so I encourage people to learn more about that. The only way that I've heard about it is that you sort of have projects that are to be determined Mm -hmm. and then you work with the students to formulate what that project will look like for each either individual group or individual student and then your syllabus is updated. And so your your syllabus isn't set in stone at the beginning of the quarter. So this is something that I'm curious about, and I encourage other people to look into it. And I know um, Ronald, you said it's going to be one of our next modules coming up. So I think that's a great opportunity for everybody.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and I also want to point out that I believe you're referencing something that you heard at the OER Institute. Uh, we had the 2023 OER institute at clover park a couple weeks ago at the time of this recording and if anybody is interested in watching i know specifically there were one or maybe two presentations on that subject we have all of the recordings and all of the extra you know materials and slides and all that stuff on our libguide so if you go to our libguide and you want to check out there's a there's a syllabus tab where you can go and look at information on inclusive syllabus. There's also the graphic syllabus, which we talked about earlier. And then there's a section on how to do the liquid syllabus at the bottom. We're going to be talking about those in more detail in the Basecamp. But if you're on the LibGuide, you can also go to the OER Institute. There's a events tab and it says OER Institute. 2023, and it has a list of all the recordings. So if you are interested in something like that, check out the recordings, talk to us in the TLC, maybe find Diane and have a conversation with a fellow faculty member. Diane Follett, this has been a wonderful conversation with you. I want to thank you for taking the time to meet with me and talk about this important subject.
2: Thanks so much. appreciate it.
1: And that's going to wrap up this edition of Simon Says Educate. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all next time.
0: And that wraps up another insightful episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you for joining us today as we delve into the fascinating world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights to inspire your own educational journey don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Remember to join us again next week as we continue to explore innovative strategies and share inspiring stories from the CPTC community. Until then, I'm Simon, your AI host, reminding you to never stop learning and growing. Take care, and see you next time on Simon Says Educate.